Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Happy New Year, Sean. Happy New Year, Dominic. <laughs> Welcome back to 2019. Yeah, like, where did 2018 go? Yeah, it's uh, in a blink of an eye. It felt like it was only March yep. uh, when it was already Christmas time. Yeah. So what I thought would be fun, given that it's uh, early 2019, is do a bit of a look back at the year that was 2018. It was an interesting one because culture was in the newspaper a lot. It seemed to make up a lot of headlines. So I thought what would be fun is, is going back over some of those major headlines and maybe what some of your takeaways from that. Well, it's sure. I think it would, most people would agree that 2018 was the year that organizational culture made the front page. So that's got to be good for all of us in this type of uh, industry where we're trying to work with organizations to develop cultures that don't get them on the front page of the paper. Mm. So yeah, it was, it was a year. I mean, in between the Royal Commission and financial services, the uh, whistleblowers within travel industry organizations, the issues with accreditation out at Westmead and the uh, emergency department, Uber and all of these other ones up there, Wells Fargo in the United States and an endless number of organizations in various countries around the world. Uh, there's always an, an old expression that uh, a non-constructive culture at some stage will bite you. It's just a question of whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years' time. And for many, it has come home to roost. Yeah, that's right. So particularly, I think, it was that word toxic culture. Yeah, that's a media word. It's not a technical one. No, it's I think not. We have to be careful about that. But, I mean, the whole idea of toxic is where things brew away, often unbeknownst to people, and then all of a sudden they boil over. And that's certainly what's happened. Do you think it is unbeknownst to people? I think usually inside, at least, pretty well known. Yeah, well, I mean, people are still too caught up on this. You can't describe or you can't measure culture. I mean, we've been measuring culture for 30 years, for heaven's sake. Mm. So you can measure it, you can describe it, you can put words to it that have everyday meaning. And uh, maybe this will help organizations realize that because what they know is that they know that their culture has some implications for performance, but they haven't yet got there to figuring out exactly what their culture is and what needs to change. Mm, that's right. And so a lot of them, I mean, you know, what tends to get headlines, of course, is, is scandals and things yep. going wrong. You don't yep. have the, you know, this company's doing a great job, keep at it, kind of making headlines. Yeah. Funny that, but... If we look back at 2018, what do you think some of the themes were that were coming out around, particularly around these scandals, I guess? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the interesting things we see in organizations is when they don't have a constructive culture, they have a sort of a combination of aggressive, defensive and passive defensive cultures. So yeah. the aggressive, defensive aspect of the culture sort of reinforces this very strong kind of behavior, which may be exhibited as harassment and bullying in certain circumstances. But then, intriguingly enough, the passive defensive aspects of the culture sort of is, you know, just don't tell anybody, just let it go, mm. just put up with it and don't rock the boat and all this kind of stuff. So you put those together and you actually end up with a culture that reinforces all the very behaviours that these exposés are talking about. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think often we just think of aggressive cultures when yeah. you think of something like bullying. But yeah. in order for it to be, I guess, permissible or no yeah. one to stop it, yeah. It needs a kind of passive element in there. Correct. So we actually reinforce that behavior organizationally by not doing anything about it. Mm. And so, I mean, there are numerous instances in these stories and others that are untold 
of where the system or the organisation or senior management or whatever represents the system was aware of a particular form of behaviour by a particular person, but they never did anything about it. So it's passivity to the extreme. Mm. Do you think, because sometimes I've seen it where something's happened at a company, you know, someone's been you know harassing or whatever, yep. and then the company comes out actually quite firmly with a statement against that, but people are kind of like, oh, it's a terrible culture. Yeah. Is yeah. that always the case? Or Yeah, well, I mean, I, I sort of use the expression that culture affects everything, but everything is not necessarily culture. Mm. So we have to be careful. I mean, it's quite possible that it might be the rotten apple syndrome that you have got individuals uh, who are behaving in generally a very aggressive, defensive kind of manner that mm. the system allows to happen. But then on the other hand, that becomes part of the culture if they don't do anything about it. So if it's not now, it soon will be part of the culture. Mm. Yeah, because like, cause sometimes I wonder, you know, if the company's coming out and saying, well, you know, this isn't on. Well, actually, maybe the culture is saying this isn't on. But I guess your point is that the very fact it's gone on for so long until they've said that is yep. an indication of something. Yeah. And then, of course, they come out with a vanilla public relations firm device statement about, you know, we condone such behavior, et cetera, et cetera, and it's relatively meaningless. So it really is an opportunity. Any of these incidences are a fantastic opportunity for the company to sit back and look at what caused that, what reinforced it, why it wasn't stopped, and how they now handle it moving forward. Do you think people genuinely believe that they need to change their ways? Yeah, well, I mean, there's two aspects of that question. Do individuals believe they mm. need to change their ways? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've done thousands of individual one-on-one feedbacks in my career, and I'd say probably somewhere between 10 and 20% of people just reject the feedback. So an mm. answer to the question there is yes. For organisations, the need to change. Unfortunately, I mean, organisations by definition have to strike a balance between stability and change. So on the one hand, they've got to have the stable aspects of the organisation, but be able to adapt and shift to changes in the external environment. So this adaptability-stability ratio, if you like. And organisations inherently strive to keep things relatively stable. Mm. And so therefore, the the organisation is not necessarily automatically saying, we need to change our culture. It's usually when something changes that rattles that stability that they start to think about their culture. And there's certainly been a lot of rattling this year. Kind of reminds me of like the Lewin change theory. Yeah. You've got to kind of unfreeze the current, right? Yeah. And Or that the need, the wanting to change has to be more powerful than the yeah. wanting to stay the same. Exactly. If people aren't familiar with Kurt Lewin's work, he... Um, so he defined the present state as, as somewhat a technical term, but it's quasi-stationary equilibrium. So the current state exists because the driving forces driving us towards the need to change equals the forces resisting the ability to change. And so the quasi-stationary idea is that it's because the two pressures are equal, when the pressure of one increases or with the pressure of the other decreases, then you now get movement. And what's really interesting when you run a flip chart exercise with an executive group around change and use that force field analysis, you'll find uh, all the driving forces for change are external to the organization, but most of the restraining yeah. forces are internal. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good tool to help help executives realize that actually what's stopping it is them. Yeah, that's right. And of, and often, so, so the force field analysis, for those who don't know, is you kind of split it into what are the forces driving for change and what are the forces resisting the change. Yeah. And then it's between the kind of intellectual, is it? Intellectual and emotional. Yeah. 
and, and Lewin had created this as a model to work with people for social change, which is what all his research work was around through the 50s through 70s. Mm. Well worth reading if anybody hasn't. And what I always notice with that as well when you split it up like that is a lot of the driving forces for change will be you know, the intellectual, the reasoning yeah. kind of stuff, which makes sense. You wouldn't change yeah, if it didn't make logical, sense. Logical, rational kind the of stuff. The logical, rational stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the restraining forces is the emotional stuff, yep. right? Because yep. my status might be getting threatened Correct. or that kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. So with that, so there's been, you know, I think it's going to be interesting looking back at some of the stories, particularly Cricket Australia is a classic one there. They've been playing test matches against India with mixed success and, and so on. And so... Everyone's like, this win at all costs mentality is terrible, but then I wonder if people keep holding that if they start well, losing. I mean, sporting is really difficult, and it's it's almost unfortunate that the sort of the highest of the high examples out there this last year has been with Cricket Australia because when it's not a, when you you know, of course, the objective of playing sport is to win. Huh. The question is what you're willing to trade off in order to win. And I think it was Richard Hadley from the New Zealand cricket team, the famous fast bowler all rounder said everybody's always cheated in cricket. It's only a question of how subtly you do it. And uh, this particular instance was not the least bit subtle, but it is worth watching because one of the interesting things to see is how the organisation reacts, responds and adapts to the incident. And what is worth my personal opinion is I think they overreacted quite a lot. So mm. you see a lot of the change in language, but uh, is there actually a change in thinking and behaviour that's behind that? I would, in that case, question that. Speaking of overreactions and stuff, because we see that now with kind of with the social media thing, there's a lot of like kind of outrage comes out when yeah. anything anything kind of untoward happens. Yeah, well, Do you think that's contributing to some overreactions, yeah. overcorrections? Yeah, it is. It is. And so there's this whole sort of being seen to fill in the, mm. the words for the blanks there. So I guess it was important for a Cricket Australia to be seen to be acting, but really their acting was somewhat limited. But it had, uh, as you can see with the current performance, downstream impacts. And this is the whole uh, whole notion of, of downstream consequential impacts from short-term actions oh. worth looking into in itself sometime. Oh. And so, I mean, I guess the Cricket Australia one brings up an interesting point, though, because a lot of people and a lot of these scandals and whatnot have been about kind of those aggressive cultures and that a lot of people believe that that actually drives performance. Yeah. yeah. Well, the number of times an organisation like a bank has said to me over the years that they need their aggressive culture because it's an aggressive market. Mm. So we don't understand what we mean by an aggressive defensive culture and a, a non, so a constructive culture in the marketplace is not not aggressive or not not assertive. It's very smart. It's able to uh, focus on what it needs to achieve and wants to achieve. But the aggressive defensive stuff, is, as people should remember, is about defending one's current position and using aggressive strategies to do that. So that's not about adaptation to change. And what it is likely to do is to cause certain processes and systems, as we've read about through the Royal Commission, to reinforce and in turn continue to lead to the type of behaviour that represents the so-called toxic culture. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, I often think about Constructive stars, it, it is about winning. At the end of the day, as yeah. a business, we uh, want to <laughs> perform business, as a business. You want to, Well, I mean, as an owner of a business, I want to make more money out of my business than I can make by putting it in the bank. So it's just logical, whether I'm a shareholder in a major corporation or an owner of my own business, it's all about return on effort. So we have, however, in Australia, got a little bit carried away 
with some of the profitabilities and demands placed on these organisations for profitabilities. Which and again, short profit is by definition a short term measure, so it will always reflect short term performance. Longer term is another story, and that's of course where organisational culture comes in. Uh, that's it. So, so on that note, what would be your kind of key takeaways? I guess sure. from these stories throughout the year. Yeah, I think the big one is culture does impact performance. If you didn't think mm. that before, I'm sure you should think it now. Mm. And with the banks, I mean, you're talking about an, uh, over a billion dollars in fine and reparations from that or those organisations. So it certainly costs them in a big way. So that'd be one takeaway is uh, it's absolute affirmation that culture impacts on performance. It's also, I mean, another takeaway I think is it's too easy to go down the rotten apple. And you know, you've seen this in the media where it's about having a couple of rotten apples. Rotten apples only exist because people, other people don't act. Mm. And if other people don't act, then there's something about the culture that's precluding them from acting. Mm. So mm. wittingly or unwittingly, you're reinforcing the wrong behavior. It's interesting, that one, because there can be a situation where maybe it is just a rotten apple, though. Couldn't it be, Sean? The short answer is yes, but generally there's some environmental context that allows that to happen. Because sometimes, like, I wonder... So culture is about the expectations of behavior. Yep. So, you know, like if we go all the way out to societal expectations, there's yep. a societal expectation that we don't commit murder or something, right? Yep. But some people do, you know? So well, they're bad apples. <laughs> they're really, really, really bad apples. Uh, on, the other, on the other hand, as any psychologist or sociologist will tell you, somebody who murders other people probably didn't have the best childhood in town. And so mm-hmm. you could replace the words organizational culture with family culture and expectations and norms established by the parents, et cetera. And so you can you come back with the same answer on that one. Well, that might be a flash forward to a future episode where yeah. I know a lot of people have been asking about that. So yeah. that may be coming up yep. pretty soon. So what, what other takeaways would you have, Sean? I mean, I think one of the one of the toughest issues facing companies right now is around bullying and harassment. Mm. And this is more complex than the media would uh, have us or even like us to believe. So you'd get the situation where there's, with increasing demands being placed upon the organisation, which is the nature of the beast nowadays, so therefore are increasing demands placed upon the individuals. So let's just use you and me as an example. If you're not a particularly good employee in terms of your performance and reaching your goals and all these kinds of things, and I'm your manager... Mm. I will try and get you to increase your performance somehow through performance appraisal, blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff. But it comes down to how I do that. And it's a fine line, particularly when the poor performing employee is somewhat resistant, it's a fine line for the manager between trying to assert my influence over you as a manager and get you to perform at a better rate versus bullying and harassing you. Mm. So to me, what might be trying to get your performance up to you might be bullying. So we have to be really careful about that because that can happen all too easy. Then people get nervous about courageous conversations and honest feedback and all this kind of stuff. So again, the longer-term consequential results of short-term stuff. And that's where this whole kind of passive culture can set in then if you're yep. afraid to yep. afraid to bring it up. But, but I see that a lot, particularly with in some public institutions, where yep. if you have a kind of slightly tough conversation, and it can be constructive, yep. respectfully straight, Yeah. But people kind of hit the bullying button pretty yep. pretty quick. Yep. It doubles down on the importance of building a constructive culture because in a constructive culture, feedback is the norm. Mm. In a defensive culture, whether it's passive defensive or aggressive defensive, feedback is unusual. Mm. And so when it happens constantly within the system, 
there's a significantly less likelihood that somebody's going to be saying, but you're bullying me. Right. So if it, because I guess, so I guess what happens is feedback's not a norm. And therefore, when suddenly your manager's like, Sean, I need to, uh, need to talk to you. Yep. It's like, holy, holy dooly. Yeah, you know? well, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> you know? And so there's a bigger message actually attached to it, yep. which is interesting because even though yep. the action, you could say, on the individual action level is the same. Yeah. Because it's yeah. missing that context. Actually, yeah. it probably does carry yeah. a different meaning. Yeah. And I just want to take this opportunity because it's something that we hear so much out there, which is wrong. A constructive culture is not necessarily a nice culture. So when people get feedback that says their cultures are aggressive, defensive, or passive, defensive, they'll tend to try and oversimplify things and, and think the culture stuff is everybody's being all nice, uh, the constructive stuff is everybody's being all nice to each other. It's not. The passive defensive is the nice stuff, but a constructive culture so, is... surface level, at least. This is where words are important. A constructive culture is confronting as opposed to being confrontational, mm. which is an aggressive defensive style. Well, it reminds me of um, Rob Murray at the at yep. our conference, was it yep. two years ago? Yep. Who was the CEO of Lion for a while. Yep. And now he's on various boards. And he talks about when, you know, they had that really constructive culture, that... It's yeah. It's a tough place to work because you're challenged. You're challenged yeah. to be your best. Yeah. So it's not a kind of sing kumbaya type thing, yeah. but it's about performing at your highest. Yeah. But I also just momentarily want to come back to your question about social media a little earlier. Mm. This again puts more emphasis on the need for a constructive culture because social media, I mean, you can be worldwide in seconds with mm. a posting on Glassdoor or Facebook or LinkedIn mm-hmm. or anything like mm-hmm. that. It can go, as they say, absolutely viral. So it really does put a greater responsibility on the organization to make sure that your people are working in an environment where they don't want to do that to you. And actually, it's plus your customers' experiences they put up on, yeah, on these platforms. And yep. so almost in a way, actually, you're, how you treat your customer, which is a reflection of your culture. Correct actually has more value because now it's kind of more visible, Yeah, right? It goes out there more. Yeah. So just, again, take the opportunity to remind folks around the passive defensive cultures that exist out there. I mean, you talked, uh, Dominic, about government, and that's very true. I mean, when I talk to a local government organization, a city council or something like that, they will generally have a mantra around don't be on tomorrow's front page. Mm. Because unfortunately, if they take a mild risk and it goes wrong, they will be on the front page. And what's more, many of the councillors will make sure that the staff are exposed on the front page. So that creates passivity. I mean, the safest thing to do is nothing, is the contrary mantra to don't be on the front page. So it creates this passivity about just doing what you do, follow the rules and process, protect. And again, the passive is not just passive, it's passive defensive. So it's protect yourself by strictly adhering to the rules on the basis that if something does go wrong, you can blame the rule, not me. Mm. Yeah, so you keep yourself safe by pointing to the well, you know, yep. the SOP or whatever said this. Yeah. What about, so this year, I was, I was just thinking, this year there's been a lot of awareness about culture. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so there's been a lot of awareness about culture. It sure is. So yeah. where's, I guess, will 2019 be the year of action about uh, culture? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I suspect at this stage of the year, somewhat rhetorical. Um, I wouldn't bet my life on it, to be honest. It, uh, all of these organizations are reacting to the burning platform uh, concept, whereas we find that actually it's better for somebody in the organization, particularly at the top end of the organization, to have a burning passion where it comes from a positive framework rather than we need to do this because – 
when it's based on a burning platform, particularly when it's legislative and requirements and compliance stuff with finance, et cetera, is they'll focus on meeting the legislative and compliance requirements and then say, right, back to normal. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's a tick the box thing. Yeah. And what can they need to be careful about as well as kind of swinging the pendulum too much back the other way by coming in with a ton of regulation. Yeah, well, that, that's where I, I mean, I, again, it's purely a personal opinion. I think cricket Australia's gone a bit too far. I mean, there's all sorts of humorous articles in the paper about Australia being so good at sledging and now it's saying nice things to the other players. Mm. I mean, sledging's been part of cricket since somebody first picked up a bat, I suspect. And uh, so sort of, you know, trying to be the nice team is, is not going to work. I mean, it's a competition, it, and particularly cricket is extraordinarily gladiatorial. It's a bowler trying to bowl out a batsman who's trying to get runs off that bowler's balls, and everybody else is out there to support the bowler in that given point in time. So it's probably a more, advers- more, more adversarial and gladiatorial than most of the other sports that are out there. We don't want to take that away. That's why, you know, again, the Romans went to watch the gladiators. We go to watch a cricket test. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But and I guess it's and this is I guess where people can get um, a bit worked up and your oh it's nice kind of stuff is around people kind of pretending to be something that they're not and it's not oh yeah, yeah facades never work facades they, uh, yeah exactly the mask gets broken pretty quickly and as uh, everybody that's listening to this knows authenticity and leadership is paramount absolutely I think that's a great note to end on thank you for the year in review so let's hope. So 2018, I kind of define it as the year of awareness around culture. And I hope 2019 is the year of action around culture. Let's hope so. All right, Sean, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Dominic. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer... Email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. Thanks for being part of our amazing community. We can only do it together with yourself. So long for now.